Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Tuesday, and that means that business is about to pick up for Ohio State as it gets ready for a road trip on Saturday to face Penn State, a big one, uh, a noon one, and uh, the practice will be preceded, as it always will be, by some conversations with the Ohio State coaching staff, brain trust in the meeting room, Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward, we will be there as always, and I gave my main questions for this week on Monday at ohiostate.rivals.com, dot in the eyes, and now it's Bill's turn. He's got a lot of things on his mind, people. He certainly does. Uh, number one is it's like, it's like I, I get the impression that Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh uh, do not like each other, mm. but I'm wondering if Ryan Day is appreciative of Jim Harbaugh just lobbing shots at James Franklin <laughs> while James Franklin <laughs> is trying to get ready to prepare for Ohio State because that's all James Franklin is going to get asked about on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something because uh, Jim Harbaugh rarely says anything of consequence in his press conferences. And I guess he must have just taken all of last week off because he did not get asked about James Franklin's uh, comments about the big house and the locker room tunnel situation at halftime. So that did seem like a pretty purposeful distraction to lob that back into James <laughs> Franklin's court as he tries to get ready for one of the best teams <laughs> in America. Yeah, he uh, called called James Franklin uh, sophomoric and uh, said he was the ringleader of Penn State uh, starting a, a little ruckus in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium and then uh, described James Franklin's uh, uh, quotes about it last week as whining. Yeah, uh, It's great. It's great stuff. I love it. That's um, one, two, three strikes. That's, that's <laughs> not an that's accident. Right. Not an accident. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so that'll be uh, – I don't actually think Ryan Day are going to ask about that, but I'm sure on some level Ryan Day is like, you know what, thanks, Jim. We appreciate it. <laughs> Anything to – Anything to take James Franklin's mind away from from what's going to happen on Saturday, I think, is welcome uh, here in Columbus. No, uh, I think front of mind for me and for everybody else is Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? Um, and I'm, it's it almost feel like we have to ask about it because he's the best player on the team when he's healthy. But I don't expect to get a tremendous amount of insight on what's going on with him. But I'm curious about like the the tenor of that conversation because the way that Ryan Day addressed it after the game still seems odd. Um, I, I don't know how you're feeling about that a couple of days removed from it, but um, what he said and what we saw with our eyes don't don't quite line up. And yeah. I, I suppose he's no, under no obligation to give us injury information, um, but I thought it could have been handled better. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what kind of questions he gets about that and, and how he handles that on Tuesday. Yeah, I was really hoping that this conversation would die down and disappear entirely after Saturday, and it won't. Um, I think my biggest frustration with it is mainly been the narrative around it that Jackson Smith and Jigba should or would or will or is going to somehow opt out and protect his draft stock. And it's a different matter entirely if the hamstring is just not ever going to heal and let him play and he can't return. Um, that's where I've sort of been hung up on it. There's not a path for Jackson Smith and Jigba where he's just like a top three pick like Nick Bosa and, you know, going to have the surgery now because you're not going to be able to get back to 100% by the end of the year. Jackson has not needed surgery. He's also not a guaranteed top three pick. He's probably not even a guaranteed top 20 pick. If we're truly being honest, he needs to play. Um, all things aside, just talking about his professional future, but he also 
more than anything wants to play. Mm-hmm. He's not leaving to go, you know, uh, go to Malibu and train uh, or work on a 40 time. Like he's not doing any of that. He's taken a number of steps so that he could get back. They were not easy. Um, and I hope that once Jackson does get fully cleared, that we're a- he wants to provide more insight about all that he's done to return. That's been my biggest frustration in, um, in covering it because I just I think that there's a, there are wires crossed about he, he's, he's in this other camp of guys. that We've seen that even this year that, are like, all right, I'm shutting it down and I'm going to prepare for the draft. Like I, That part has just kind of driven me crazy, and I yeah. was hoping it would be over. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a, a few of us were hoping it would be over. It's not um on one hand I would understand like if you would make that assumption really about any athlete in Jackson's position, I could see why you would, but Jackson's actions um pretty clearly state the obvious or the opposite, excuse me. Uh otherwise he wouldn't have been on the field on Saturday. <laughs> he wouldn't have done everything he's done to get back on the field, he wouldn't have been on the field on Saturday. Um and I whatever happened, I I fully expect him to try to get on the field again. I'm just I'm curious if it was it, it it looked like he might have had some kind of setback and all we can do is just watch what happens. And then it didn't look, you know, didn't look catastrophic. It just didn't look great. Um, and I'm wondering if they think he'll, you know, be able to play again this week or if he has to take another couple of weeks off or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't think Ryan Dale get that specific about it, but uh, I didn't find the explanation after the game um, satisfactory to, to that end. But it's not, it's not about whether or not what, Jackson wants to do. I think he clearly wants to play. Ohio State is still in position to win a national championship, and he wants a ring, and he wants to be a part of that. It's it's whether or not he's physically able to um, after what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I think my approach will be with that. Is it actually the same thing? Because I wasn't just watching it, and all we could do was observe. And disclaimer, as normal, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that they were looking at his hamstring. I watched it. All of that, you know, the drive after that didn't end, didn't go on very long. Ohio State didn't get the third down conversion while Jackson Smith and Jigba was over there. I did not have to watch Iowa's offense to know what was going to happen on the ensuing possession. So I watched three trainers look at Jackson Smith and Jigba. I saw everything that he was doing. It looked like he thought in his mind he could have returned to the game. It seemed to me that they were evaluating his left knee, not necessarily the hamstring. I know that it can all be the same thing, not. I'm just saying, is it the exa- is it the same injury or what, did something different happen that they were just like, you know what, we're done here. Didn't quite get to that snap count, uh, maybe that they were talking about, but do not push it, do not risk it uh, until the, until they went to the locker room. He didn't come back out. Yeah, he was standing right by Ryan Day. He was talking to Brian Hartline. He was sort of you know running in place, jogging, lifting that leg, left leg over and over, and testing it out. Um, you know, I don't know. I would like to know if they, if it was related to the previous setback, which we all know what it was, and maybe from that perspective we can get some clarity from Ryan Day. Maybe not, but generally he's at least said yes or no, this is a new issue or mm-hmm. a recurring issue. We'll see. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably the biggest bit of information. But I, I, do, I do think it's promising on some level that he didn't go to the tent, he put his helmet back on and he was standing next to Brian Hartline where guys stand when they're like, you know, shuffling through players on who's going to go on the field. So all that looked relatively normal. And I do believe that he was on a pitch count. Um, he played 22 snaps. I think, I think it makes sense for him to be on a pitch count. 
Um, it's just that I, I don't, I don't, like I said, after the game, I don't think they got to that point the way they quite uh, anticipated, but we'll see. I guess, I, I guess that's probably the, the most we can hope for from Ryan Day was like, was that something new? Was it something to not be concerned about? And, you know, what do you think of his availability, excuse me, moving forward? Um, beyond that, <laughs> after our, you know, we, our weekly me, chat about Jackson wait. Smith and Jigba. Yeah, let me guess more injuries. Um, no, well, yes, but I like I don't I, I'm trying not to make the show about the same know, thing every Tuesday. Um, I suppose yeah, there's there's a lingering injury question at the cornerback position, but and and I'm wondering about Cameron Brown's availability moving forward. But I'm also wondering about Jordan Hancock, and I know you mentioned this in the piece that you wrote at OhioStateRivals.com. Now that he's played and gotten some snaps under his belt, it wasn't many, but it was some. Uh, is the door open for him now to assume a starting role on the defense? Because I think they're going to need him this week against Penn State. Um, this is the first time they're going into a game with guys basically at every skill position that I think should worry you as, as Ohio State's defense. And, you know, Denzel Burke, I think, has played pretty well the last two weeks. Certainly had a nice bounce back. Um, J.K. Johnson has been pretty solid. I have I have a few concerns about him. But there was a reason that J.K. was getting all the publicity and, and discussion he got in the or excuse me, Jordan was getting all the publicity and discussion he got in the offseason. So now that he's available, what does that mean? Is it still like we're going to throw him out there for eight snaps and see how it goes? Or is he ready to go full bore and be a key part of this defense? Yep, I I've got some uh, answers about Cameron Brown and insight on that. So I don't think that I'm going to have to spend a lot of time inquiring about it for Ohio State this week. So it'll be more about Jordan Hancock and if he's ready to jump into that mix it looks like Ohio State trusts him in that uh, my expectation is that Cameron Brown will not play again this week I think that he is capable of practicing and is near full go for Ohio State it is a separate issue from what knocked him out uh, a month ago from a couple games um, I believe this is more directly tied to a lower body setback in something that he's dealt with numerous times in the past so um I don't think that Ohio State is going to push it or take any risks with him this week. So we'll see what happens. No decision can be made about that on a Tuesday morning. And that'll be, that would be the answer if we asked Ryan Day about it anyway. But I do not think that Cameron Brown will play this week. Um, I think he will most likely be targeting Northwestern or potentially the week after that if you don't have any concerns at all about Northwestern's passing attack, which you shouldn't. Um, I do not. Yeah, so <laughs> I I think that they will, you know, be in a little bit of a holding pattern with him to make sure that they've got him for the games that truly matter most. Now you could say why is that not Penn State, and I would understand that, but um, sort of the timeline for when this happened and how it has been addressed tells me that he probably just wouldn't be game ready by Saturday. Again, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it's the this is the kind of game where you'd want all hands on deck if if you could swing it, but you don't want to be playing guys that are you know sixty seventy percent in a game like this either. I think that can be to your detriment. So if it's a few weeks for him, then I think that makes sense. Um, but if they, I think with the three corners they have, they they go into it in a in a fairly decent spot with J.K. Johnson, Denzel Burke, and and now Jordan Hancock. But it's a uh, it's it's not just them. Uh, this this is I think a real test for Jim Knowles and the entire defense. Uh, you know, like Sean Clifford's not a world beater, a quarterback. He's probably average. Um, 
the offensive line at Penn State is is not tremendous. It's probably a little better than it's been, but the skills the real deal. Um, I said I said this on Monday with Berm. Like they have guys at each position you need to worry about, and and that's not been the reality for Ohio State's defense. So we get to talk with Jim Knowles in addition to Ryan Day uh, mm-hmm. and Kevin Wilson on on Tuesday. And Jim Knowles, I think, is usually pretty transparent and blunt with with how he views an opponent. I don't think he tries to sugarcoat things. So uh, I'm just interested in what he thinks of this matchup. Like it's like like for like athletes on the other side of the ball, which they've not seen. And also, like I guess on some level, a little bit of history too with Mike Yersich calling the plays there. He and Jim Knowles were on the staff at Oklahoma State for one year, um, and I wonder if there was any uh, insight gained from that time together as well. There's a lot of people yeah, that know a lot about Mike Yersich going mm-hmm. into this game. Mm-hmm. That probably doesn't work in his favor, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't really think there's any mystery about what Penn State's going to try to do either. And um, they've they've upgraded, as you said, with the skill positions and and certainly in the backfield, they've got a couple truly talented young guys. But that offensive line remains absolutely a joke, and that's really been the theme. <laughs> of James Franklin's entire tenure there. And like that, mm-hmm. when we're talking about the cornerback situation and do, do we know how good they are in the secondary or not? Like it almost rarely seems to matter because this defensive line is generating so much pressure and will only add more in a game like this, in my opinion, with Zach Harrison playing at the level he is and JT Tuimolo out continuing to come along and getting a healthier Mike Hall. I can keep going down the list that that defensive front is capable of doing some real damage to Penn State and that can paper over some of this other stuff that may or may not be happening who's to really even say at cornerback yeah and I think too it's it's probably I don't think it's a kitchen sink game for Jim Knowles but it's probably the closest thing we've seen to that to this point in terms of maybe getting a little more exotic throwing some of the stuff that he was talking about last week where he said they have more with the safeties that they can do that they've not done yet. He, he basically has said the last few weeks, like I have a lot of things I'd like to do, but we don't have to because our defensive line is so good, <laughs> um, which is a great spot for them to be in. But I think you might see some of that come out this week too. Like I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the cornerback play. I'm curious because I think it's a good matchup and a good test. I'm, a concerned is probably not the right word. Um, but I I do think Sean Clifford and Parker Washington and you know Michael Tinsley like they they've a good combo in terms of being able to just you know throw those 50-50 back shoulder sideline kind of balls that have that have been issues a time or two for these cornerbacks so I think that'll be something to watch but um, I do think you're probably correct in your assumption that Ohio State's defensive line is going to make uh, you know make it a difficult afternoon for Penn State's suspect offensive line I think that's probably the right read. Yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit more too from Jim Knowles about sort of like bluff coverages and disguises that he has hinted at that like we can do this and make things more difficult. I talked to Tanner McAllister about it briefly after the game on Saturday and he was like he was using the first play of the game, that interception that he got that Spencer Petrus like seemed totally baffled or trying to hit Tanner McAllister between the numbers. I'm not sure which, maybe both. (laughs) Um, He was like, yeah that was a play where I'm lined up and it's supposed to look like I'm taking, you know, man coverage and going with the number two, but I, that's not my assignment at all. Um, and then they just, I would like had seen Tanner McAllister do this all season and suddenly he did not and was right there for one of the easiest interceptions that anyone will ever get. Like, I don't know that and Jim Knowles has sort of hinted at this previously. It's like, there's more going on on a given snap than I can ever understand. 
like when, at least when I asked the question, I'm like, that seemed pretty easy. And he's like, it wasn't, uh, you're an <laughs> idiot. Um, you know, uh, at least in different and maybe more subtle language, but like, I don't really understand everything that he's doing and I couldn't possibly ever. And I can only imagine what that means for other opponents, especially if he continues to add that and make them more unpredictable as the season goes on. As you said, if you're going to do that, you're going to do it against Penn state and you're going to do it in the rivalry game at the end of the year. Like those are the times that you're going to need the most creativity. The three that are in between there, who cares? You can line up and play base the entire game and beat those teams. Yeah. I I would imagine, I I don't know. I wasn't privy to the conversations that Ryan day, Jim Knowles had uh, when Jim Knowles was being hired. Although I do know that, you know, Penn state was one of the teams trying to hire Jim Knowles uh, (laughs) when when that was happening. So that puts an interesting layer on this as well. But I, I would imagine that, uh, when talking about the outlook for the season, Ryan Day had this one circled, probably Notre Dame, this one circled in the Michigan game as like games where you need to bring your A game, Jim, because we need to shut these guys down because, <laughs> you know, they always seem to make it more interesting than than need be uh, given the talent disparity between the two teams. Yeah. Okay. What else you got on your mind? Run game for, the, for Ohio State's offense. Um, it was just kind of a weird, weird game. And, as I said, Kevin Wilson's going to talk on Tuesday. Obviously, Ryan Day is, is heavily, heavily involved in that and making making the calls. I, I I wonder what it's like to be in their position in a game where a team like Iowa is selling out to stop the run the way that they did, and Ohio State just like it was slow to adjust to it. Like I think eventually they got to the right stuff, but um, I think like the offensive coaches have been a little more willing, I think, to talk about process this year than they have been in the past, and I'm interested in, in that one because. You know, and, and when you're playing Iowa, I don't, I don't think it quite matters how fast you get to the answers because their offense is terrible. They're just no threat. They're not playing keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Penn State's not quite built that way either. Like maybe Michigan is probably the only team that is on on this schedule capable of of exploiting that if if the game is close. Mm-hmm. Um, but it needs to get better because it's not just about the game in front of them. It's about what's going to happen down the road with Michigan and the the playoff or whatever. Um, it just felt like a little bit of a step back in my mind from from how well they had been running the ball both in terms of efficiency but also like creativity and, and keeping teams off balance so um i don't know if that was let's let's hold it back and, and unleash it for penn state because you know that's going to be a tough game or what but it was just a it was odd to see coming out of the bye week that they seem so kind of out of sorts running the ball i remember having this conversation a few weeks ago maybe it was even just after notre dame the first time where it's like, well, this is the blueprint for how you want to play Ohio State. You want to sit back in, in shell coverage and you know, not let anything go over the top of your head and like force Ohio State to run the ball and bleed out a so, slow death. And I was kind of skeptical of that. I was like, I don't think everyone will choose the same way to defend Ohio State. And it, I don't mean that to be critical of what you two were saying. Just like some teams would rather take their shot and trust their guys in the secondary and not let the game be – a slow death with Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams running it down their throat the whole time. And it was the, the odd part for what you're describing was that Ryan day who at his core wants to air it out and put up a bunch of numbers with his quarterback almost seemed too slow to do that. And I don't know. And I don't know if it was because he is so intent now about making sure that running game is ready to go in the biggest moments taking the challenge or issuing a challenge to the offensive line or what it was, but like that's been the thing we've talked about in the past. Like Ryan day's too slow to go to the run. And then on Saturday against Iowa, it was like, 
why isn't he taking these single high shots when he's got Marvin Harrison one-on-one against like no cornerback is going to defend him, let alone one from Iowa. Yeah. It's like, that's the part that's just like, okay, I don't, that's what you want. If you see <laughs> right. single high trying to play Ohio state, that's free money. You know how good that's going to be. And I, that's part of like, what? that is bizarre. It was, it was weird. Yeah. It was definitely the inverse of what we normally criticize. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I think they're probably going to see something similar because Penn State, Penn State's strength as a team is its secondary. It's been pretty good there for a couple of years. I'm sure they trust whether you think it's wise or not, or I think it's wise, or the public <laughs> thinks it's wise. I think they're going to probably trust Joey Porter Jr. to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. one on one. And they have uh, Jair Brown. Their Jair Brown uh, is a really good safety. Like there's, those are two NFL guys back there. So. I think they'll have no problem lining up with one safety in the middle of the field and single coverage on the outside and trying to stop Ohio State's run game. And uh, that could mean a, a pretty nice day for C.J. Stroud or at least a busy day for C.J. Stroud. But, it, yeah, it was – of all of all the things um, I ever imagined myself possibly questioning about Ryan Day, I don't think – like why didn't you throw the ball more would be one of them. <laughs> yeah, and I just – you know, maybe he will say that uh, on Tuesday later on in the team uh, meeting room there at the Woody. Like, well – Nothing was really going on there. The game wasn't in doubt. So, yeah, Ohio State wanted to see if it could find some improvement, if it would take that challenge on. But it really didn't get that much better. You wrote about it in your rewatch. There were a couple variations we saw. Was it the Mayan play where he just cut it back towards the middle? Um, Yeah. You're like, okay, well, that's a little bit of a variation of what they would normally do. And look how much that worked. Like, you can sit there in the press box and you do this every single week. And you're like, oh, well, this is going into the boundary. Uh, <laughs> and you do it about 15 times a game. And I think that that's not good because we're not college football coaches who watch 15 times. We, You watch it two or three times. I watch it live and sometimes a second time, but not always. But um, you've picked up on a lot of those tendencies and those other guys are paid uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to pick up on them too. So it's not good when you know what's coming, when we know what's coming, and then Iowa did too, and then they're able to just line up and stop it. Yeah, because I'm sure there have been times too when, like, Wisconsin probably knew it was coming. They just weren't equipped to stop it. I, Iowa not only knew it was coming, they're really good. Like, I, they're, that defense is much better than I thought it was. I thought that was a, a good stats against bad offenses kind of defense, and, and I was wrong on that. I think they're legitimately very good to the point where I think it's the best defense Ohio State's going to see. Um, until it gets to the playoff, assuming it gets to that to that point. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, but I guess the thing that's encouraging is that the lack of like um, run game diversity had not been an issue. In fact, I thought it had been a strength up until this past week. So if if it's there and they know they can execute it, I guess that's a good thing as long as they can get back to it this week. Yep, I don't think Penn State's front will be anywhere near as effective as I was, but we'll find out uh, on Saturday for sure. We'll start getting some. Hints and clues and answers later on uh, here on a Tuesday as we head into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center to talk to Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and Kevin Wilson. We'll have full coverage of that and some snap judgments afterwards as full coverage starts ramping up for the trip to Happy Valley this weekend. That will be all for this Tuesday morning edition of The Daily. On the podcast, that's Bill. I'm Austin. We'll see you later.